So we're in our journey on moving mountains, and this week we're going to deal with the mountain of debt. The mountain of debt. There are many mountains that all of us have in life, and uh, we have to get through. we got to get through those mountains. Some of those mountains we're not going to be able to go under or around. or we're not, We can't close our eyes like this and just hope it goes away. If I keep doing like this, maybe it won't be there. You know, the mountain is still there, and we have to conquer that mountain. And you may not be convinced that you're a mountain mover, but I'm here to tell you this morning that God says you have the power to move every mountain that you face. I don't care what mountain it is. You have the power through the Holy Spirit to conquer that mountain. In Matthew chapter 17, looking at verse 14, the Bible says this. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, Jesus and his disciples, when they come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, assuredly, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is saying, assuredly, I tell you, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I like those last couple verses the way the message translation puts it. The message translation says it this way, because you are not yet taking God seriously. It puts the onus back on us when a mountain's not moved. When a mountain's not moved, you're not yet taking him seriously. The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a puppy seed say, you would tell this mountain, move, and it would move, and there was nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. So we talked about identifying your mountains. We talked last week about the mountain of sin. That's a big mountain. That's one of the ones we have to move if we want to go forward. This week, we're going to talk about the mountain of debt. And then going forward, we're going to talk also about the mountain of poor health and uh, getting through that, the mountain of depression and the mountain of mediocrity. Now, there's many other mountains out there that we all face, but these are just a few. And I hope that through this series, you understand that you have the power, no matter what the mountain is, no matter what you want to call it. You can call it any of these things. You can name it any mountain you want to name it, but you have the power to overcome that mountain. When we're talking about moving mountains, here's, what I'm, here's how I'm defining moving mountains. Mountains simply represent the obstacles and problems and barriers in front of you that seem impossible to move. Yet, yet, yet God is a mountain mover and by faith, so are you. Somebody say, so am I. You are a mountain mover. I think the first thing in moving mountain is you got to believe that you're a mountain mover. If you go in, the, if you go, listen, I, I used to watch boxing with my dad a lot. And uh, one of the things that I noticed about boxers is it, you could be a skilled boxer. You could, you could be in really good shape 
uh, you know, you could have all of the tools that it takes to win a boxing match, but if you came into that ring and you were shy, or you were, uh, you know, you, you were, you slumped back a little bit, you were unsure, man, you would get knocked out. And you're better than the other guy. But you, you can't do it if you don't believe it. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, that's why you could not move the mountain. And so we're talking about the mountain of debt. I want to just talk very briefly, uh, just for a couple of moments, uh, about the reality of your finances and debt. Uh, you know, de there's a lot of scriptures on finances in the Bible. And I just want you to know a couple of things. One is that God wants you to be the lender and not the borrower. Now, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Uh, I do not believe that being in debt is necessarily a sin. Right. Being in debt is not a sin, uh, you know, but it's just not when we when it's a mountain of debt is what I'm talking about. Uh, remember, remember my definition of moving mountains, my definition of mountains, those problems, those things that seem unmovable. I'm not talking about putting something on your credit card that you plan on, uh, you know, paying off at the end of the month or in six months or whatever it is. You got a plan and you're doing well with all those things. You buy a house, all of these. That's not what I'm talking about. But some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been there or may uh, even be there now where it's a mountain. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I'm looking at my finances and I make this much, but the mountain of debt is there. It's a student loan. I don't know what it might be. I'm never going to pay off this house. And I want to say something that, you know, we may not want to hear, but especially as it comes to debt, most of the time, it falls on us. Most of the time, we had the shovel. Come on, somebody. Not all the time. Not all the time. But most of the time. But that's okay. God's able to move mountains. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says this. He will send rain in season from his rich storehouse in the sky and bless all your work so that you will lend to many nations, but you will not have to borrow from many. That's a promise from God that's still good today. Don't feel first. Let me again, just like we were talking about last week with the mountain of sin. Don't I, it's not God didn't come to condemn you or I today. It's not a condemnation message. This is a message that should encourage you that you can do this. This is where God wants you. He sets the bar. Let's not bring the bar down to where we are so that we can get over it. Let the bar that God set be there and understand that you have the power to get to the bar. You understand what I'm saying? This is this should be an encouraging message to you. It's God's will that you pay back your debt. Listen to Romans 3. Let me give you a couple scriptures. Romans 13, 7 says this. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. It's God's will that you pay back your debt. Let's just understand that. It's not God's will that you make debts and don't pay them back. Come on now. Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows but does not pay back. Are you wicked? But the righteous is generous and gives. We're a little quiet this morning. I know we're quiet on this, but I promise you it's an encouraging message. Uh, I wonder, I'm just trying to tell you this morning what you are not. All right? It's just like I always say, it, just because you're not acting like a Christian don't mean you're not a Christian. You just need to start acting like it. 
Just because you're not acting like an overcomer doesn't mean you're not an overcomer. God has already said that you are more than an overcomer. All we need to do is get into that. We need to put on Christ and get under that grace that God has already put there for us and be what he's called us to be. That's all it is. Stop letting the enemy tell you that you're less than what you already are. And stop letting your circumstances tell you that you're let. That might be where you are now, but God is telling you that that's not who you are. You are an overcomer. Listen to Ecclesiastes 5.4. It says it's better not to make a vow than not to fulfill one. Come on. And this is how we have to think. God does not want us to be in debt. But look, I heard, uh, you know, Bishop Jake said this one time, he was, he was doing a marriage conference, he and his wife, and uh, he gave this thing about how, um, you know, marriage is supposed to be and how God planned it out and, uh, you know, with the love and the respect and, uh, you know, all of those things, how we're supposed to get through and, you know, not go to bed angry and there shouldn't be any divorce. It's not God's will for divorce. I know half the world and half the church uh, goes through that, but it's not God's will. And he talked about, he laid it all out of how it's supposed to be. And then he said this, but we messed all that up. So let's take it from where we are now. Okay, and so that's where we are sometimes with debt and finances and just our thought pattern on it. You know, we know where, what God's perfect will is, but now we have to look at where we are now and let's go from there. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's what I want to do for the rest of the time. I want to bring Bishop Brother Eldon, the right reverend up, and he's going to share with us the rest of the word on these finances. Open your heart and open your ears. Amen. You know, this message about debt. Some of you, it may not apply, as Pastor said, it may not apply to you at all. But it doesn't matter, because you probably know somebody that it applies to. And as Brother James said, we're here to teach. They teach literacy. We're going to teach everything else. And one of the things we need to learn is about money. Jesus talked about money more than almost anything else in the New Testament. All right? He, he did. And so if he talked about it, it's important to us. All right? And when we get through the scriptures, I'll show you some scriptures just how important money is. Debt is a mountain. The opposite, poverty is a mountain also, right? Um, the opposite of debt is, is not a mountain. It's a wonderful valley to be in. But being rich can also be a mountain, right? Jesus said it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So whether you're rich or poor, it can be a mountain either way you look at it. It's all in the matter of perspective. I believe the, the word answers this in a scripture. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all evil. The love of money is not evil. It's the root. Or money is not evil. The love of money is the evil. So what I treasure has my heart. Right? Where my treasure is, the Bible says, my heart is. The mountain of debt or money must be brought into perspective. Money is important. We are to use money every day. I forgot my, um, my device I was going to bring, my show and tell. I was going to bring my hammer, my 16-ounce Stanley hammer that I love. Um, and I don't love my hammer. But a hammer has two sides to it. It has a head and then it has a claw. The head is for what? Building, pounding, building. The claw is for what? Tearing down. Money can either build up or it can tear down, just like my hammer. My hammer tore down a 40 by 40 foot old barn on one side 
And then on the other side, it built a 45 by 40 foot barn. So it can be used both directions. <clears throat> All right. Build or destroy. It's in my hand. Whose hand is it in? Say, my hand. Money is in my hand, as Pastor just said. It's not the money. It's me, usually, that causes the problem. All right. We have to tear things apart to rebuild them. Ecclesiastes 10 says, and th this is really interesting, because I'm going to change your whole theology about something. All of us have taken science class, and we know about gravity. We know about the way the world works and, and the fact that the earth is spinning around the sun, right? Does anybody know why? I'll tell you why. Ecclesiastes says, Laughter and bread go together, and wine gives sparkle to life. But it's money that makes the world go round. So now you just learned something from science class. It's money that makes the world go around. All right. So the mountain of debt, what causes it? What can I do about it? And what does God say about it? I want to share a few statistics, and I'm going to run them off real quick. Credit card balances. Average person, $5,000. That's revolving credit. Median debt is 16000 Student loans, 49000 Mortgages, 173000 Autos, 30000 Baby boomers and Generation Xers have the most debt. Isn't that interesting? Um, one of the top issues in divorce, money. Also depression, loss of hope. All of us geared around that a lot of times. The worst debt to have is revolving credit. It usually costs 16% interest. That's the average. If not paid off monthly, they are robbing you of funds. You are being devoured. Okay, and what does the Bible say about devouring? All right. So if you owe $1,000, you pay $25 minimum at 16%. It will take you 56 months, and it will cost you $409 in interest. If you owe 3000 your minimum payment's $50, and it takes you 80 months to pay it off, you will have paid $1,618 in interest. You have just paid more than half of what you originally borrowed. If you get a deal at, at Kohl's and you don't pay it off right away, that $20 sweater that you bought is going to cost you about 60 bucks. Okay? Now, I know you guys know this, and there's, there's plenty of information out there how to, how to get over this. All right. Some of the causes of debt are, are beyond our control. We realize that. Medical, cause, medical expenses sometimes. Home improvements is one of the leading causes. All right. Loss of income, college costs, unexpected emergencies. 35% of adults say they would not be able to pay all their bills if they had a $400 emergency. Do you know what the average break job costs nowadays? Almost $500. $250. Now, I will tell you something. The church just repaired the brakes on their van. Cost them $48. Praise God. You know why? Because somebody knew how to do it. And, and here's the thing. With... with uh, um, the internet anymore? You can learn how to do just about anything. So if you think that your toilet's not working, go online and see how to fix it and do it yourself. 
You'd be surprised at what you can do. And, and if you really don't know, then ask God. I, I told this story numerous times about my baler. My baler jumped timing. It wasn't working. I spent three hours one evening trying to fix it. Okay? And it's a real important piece of machinery for a farmer. So I couldn't fix it. I went to bed and I said, God, you know how that thing works. So you figure it out. In the middle of the night, he woke me up and showed me. I walked out there in the morning, and in 10 minutes, my baler was running like a clock. That's, that's God. God does not want you to... He, he wants to destroy the destroyer, okay, in your life. All right. So, another cause is keeping up with um, the Joneses. <laughs> and I don't mean you guys, but... <laughs> another one is divorce, right? Okay, we just, Pastor just mentioned it. But, and the, one of the main ones, and I kept this one for last, is me. Me. Okay. What keeps us from getting out of debt? Well, I, I used to, when I was working, thank God I'm retired, because God took care of my finances. But um, I used to drive, had to go to Vincennes a lot. So I would drive down there. And about the only radio station I could get was Dave Ramsey. And so, yeah, everybody said, oh, oh. So I'd listen to Dave Ramsey. My favorite thing was when he had the debt-free screen. And all those people would get on there. We owed $80,000, and we paid it off in two years. So let's have that debt-free scream. And they would scream, we're debt-free, we're debt-free, you know. And, and I screamed right along with them. I, I, I loved it. So he says, keeping up appearances. Stop, stop comparing yourself with others. Luke 12, 15. Um, and he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Okay? Covetousness will cause us to go into debt. All right. Another one is, I don't make enough money. Yeah, that might have an impact on, on what's going on. But more likely, what I am doing with what I have is not right. Okay? So what am I going to do about it? Proverbs 10.4 says this, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent does what? Makes him rich. Diligence. Am I working hard? Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I being diligent with what I've got? What am I actually doing? Or am I wasting it? All right? Okay. Am I unwilling to sacrifice? What am I willing to give up, even temporarily, to take care of my finances? So Patty and I, when we first got married, um, our kids were young, and, and we decided we were going to get cable, because cable was the big thing back then, you know? So we got it. And uh, we put a, one of those child restrainer things on it, right? Yeah, well, one evening we came home, and our kids were watching some stuff, and we're like, Whoa, oh, no, this ain't going to work. So guess what the cable did? Went out the door. We had it for less than three months. Now I want to share something with you. The average cable bill now is $85 a month. Okay? I figure that if ours was only that, uh, 80, at $85 a month, that's $1,020 yearly to watch that cable. And I'm nothing against cable. I, I, you know, I'm, and I'm like pastor. What you do with your money is up to you. 
And, and I'm not going to condemn you for anything. I've had mortgages. I just bought another truck. I, you know, I, I, money is a tool, just like my hammer. All right. So I figured that we've been married for 33 years. If we'd have been paying $50 a month for cable, thank you, Randy, 33 wonderful years to a gorgeous woman. So um, anyway, and she's a very good money manager. All right, and I give her more credit than me, definitely. All right, $50 a month, $19,800 we saved just in our cable bill. So remember I told you I had a hammer and I built me a new barn with a really nice workshop in it? It was less than $19,800. So that cable bill that I would have been in watching all that TV put a barn right out there and it's a real pretty red barn. Okay, with white trim. And so, in fact, my grandson was there last night with me for four hours. We got to enjoy each other's company while we welded a new piece into the floorboard of his truck. Jim brought out something I was able to build for him out there. You know, I enjoy it. And I will tell you, if you need to do the brakes on your car, you're welcome to come use my barn and my tools if you want to do your brakes. And I will probably be there overseeing you and helping you along the way. Okay? The Bible says that you lend. Lend. I have a trailer, and Mike Morgan and I, I love letting Mike borrow my trailer because he not only uses it for himself, he helps other people with it. I, I, don't, I had a chainsaw one time, a brand new Husqvarna chainsaw, and Tim Terrell said to me, boy, you really like that chainsaw, and I said, I'd give it away today. If God told me to give it away, I'm, I'm not going to let those things rule me. Now, they try, but I'm not going to let them. So, all right. Where were we? No hope. No hope. I'll never get out of this debt. What the pastor just said. Oh. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're going to say, well, then what does that mean? Redemption. Everybody know what the word redemption is? Redeemed from the curse. The curse. The curse includes a spirit, soul, and body, right? So what am I redeemed of? I'm redeemed for good health. I'm redeemed for finances. And I'm redeemed for emotional security, uh, stability. And I'm redeemed to go to heaven. So God says, oh, what will I give you now? Press down, overflowing. Now, in this life. You know, he, he talks about now. So that's, a, that's another one. We have to understand that we've been redeemed from the curse. Am I addicted to stuff? <laughs> Do these things really make me happy? And this is where Patty laughs at me all the time. Because I'll see something and, and I'll say, gosh, I could really use that tractor. I could really use that tractor. And I'll think about it and I'll look at a thousand of them. And I'll research them and I'll, and, and, and I'll save my money. And I'll do things and I'll sit and finally I'll... I'll get a tractor, finally. You know, and it takes a while. She says, okay, what do you want next? <laughs> she always teases me about it, you know. But, but you know what? I don't let them rule me. Um, but I am working on a skid steer now. No, no. <laughs> so, all right. What am I doing? Solomon said what about all that stuff? What did Solomon say about it? Vanity, vanity. It's all vanity. 
Naked I came, Job said, and naked I go. I'm out the door, but don't look at me as I go. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so we have to look at, at uh, not making debt a priority. That's a key, not making debt a priority. Look at a person's checkbook and you will know where their heart is. Yeah, we've heard that one. Okay, here's another good statistic. 44% of the food budgets of most Americans go to restaurants, eating out. 44% go to eating out. How many of you like to buy sodas or tea when you're out there? Think about it. A dollar ninety. Okay? You know, uh, Kroger has sparkling water, which I like um, for some reason because I, I don't drink sodas anymore again. Um, sparkling water for a dollar ninety for a 12 pack. I can buy 12 of them for a dollar ninety instead of one at, at, the, at the store when I go out to eat. You can't imagine, if you add up, if you go out to eat two nights a week, which is fine, when Patty and I were both working, we went out to eat frequently. But we could afford it, and we were both working, and I didn't want her to have to go home or me go home and fix a meal. So, you know, and we could afford it. But we stayed within our budget, and a lot of times we'll buy one meal and share it. And, and we save a lot of money. Uh, you can have fajitas for 10 bucks for the two of you and get full, you know. So, but save and think, if, if you went out to three nights a week at, at $4 just for the two drinks, that's 12 bucks a week times 52 weeks. Come on, guys. It adds up in a hurry, you know? You got to look at things from a minute perspective sometimes. All right. Not managing the money, the lack of discipline. <laughs> We're just at tracking it, not managing it. How many of us just track our money we don't manage it and make it work for us. All we do is track it. A budget, you know, if you don't set up a budget, and I'm saying a lot of times you don't have to set up a budget because you know how to do it in your heart or you know how to do it in your head. Okay, I've spent enough this month going out to eat. I am not going out to eat again. Or, or I know how much, you know, we went on the budget for our electric bill. It makes it a lot easier, but once a year we have to have an adjustment. But we know it's a budget. And it makes it real easy to do that. All right. <clears throat> so that goes back, not managing my money. Is debt the mountain or am I the mountain? All right. Okay, so let's talk about the solution in the last few minutes. What does God say about it? Well, the first thing we know, I want you to turn to Malachi. We'll get up here in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is right before the New Testament. Chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. All right. Will a man rob God? <laughs> Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven 
pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Boy, this could be a scripture I could run off real easy and preach about America. Real easy. We are in a very blessed country. Very blessed. Um, as, as you say, when you go to Africa and you see that, when the kids went to the Philippines, but even the kids in the Philippines had cell phones. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we are in such a blessed country, and we need to continue to preserve it that way. People are begging to get into this country because of this. We have no idea how wealthy we actually are. Okay? And we need to be thankful for that. But this is why. Our country was founded on godly principles. That's what God's saying right there. He, say, he said that to Israel. He says it, it, but the Bible applies to everybody, right? Okay. How am I going to rob God? <laughs> He knows everything. He knows the intentions of my heart. We've had teachings on tithing. And, and this, I don't know if this may be why a pastor asked me. We were debt-free probably, I don't know, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. We paid off our mortgage. We paid off our cars. Now, since then, we have bought two cars, and we bought them on time. We just bought a truck, okay? It'll be, we just bought it in October, and thank God it's going to be paid off before December. So God's letting us pay it off in less than an, a year and a half. And, and Patty and I don't work. I haven't worked for four years. Okay? God, but it's tithing. I cannot stress to you enough about tithing and don't rob God. What do you think you're doing? I, you know, and it's... And, and when you give it, you give it, you've done what you need to do. What we do with it here is on us, you know. So you've done what you need to do. I, and that's really, but re, rebuking the devourer, I shared a message, or I shared a, a testimony just the other day about my water pipe. And, and Mike knows the same thing. <laughs> my water pipe was leaking somewhere underground. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I do not want to dig up my whole yard like Michael did. I do not want to do that. And I prayed about it. And I thought, I think I know where it might be. The water guy voluntarily came out and helped me. And he brought this machine out, expensive machine, or ran a line through there. And, and we found, he even helped me dig the hole. Okay? Because the machine said it was only 18 inches down. But it turned out to be three and a half feet down, thank God. But... He thought, well, it's not that far. It won't take two of us very long. We dug it, and I told you what happened. We shut the water off. I went downstairs in my basement, and I went to turn the water off where it comes into the house, and it was rusty, and I could tell. It was, and it's one of those old crank ones, right? I started cranking it, and the pipe started leaking right, right there where the crank was. So I, I told Patty, I, first thing I got to do is replace this. Went and got the stuff. Came home, 
prayed because that thing was on PVC pipe, which is plastic, and I had to crank it open. And I prayed, Lord, don't let this break. Because if this breaks, i got to dig through the concrete, okay, to, to fix it. And it just went, and it opened right up. I'm like, oh, you're so good to me, God. <laughs> Took that thing apart, replaced with a new one, and those new, those shark bite clips that they make now are so wonderful. Anybody can do plumbing anymore. I mean, I don't have to sweat the copper no more. I just slide that shark bite up there, and it bites it like a shark, and it don't leak at all. And it's amazing. So I put that new valve in there. I went outside because I was going to take that other valve apart because I'm a recycler, so I wanted to recycle the brass. You know, well, I went to twist it off, and it twisted completely apart in my hands. That pipe was so close to busting and filling my basement with water. It was so close that if we'd have went to Florida for a week and come back, we'd have really been... So God, what did he do? He, he, he rebuked the devourer. He, and, and I was able to... And we found the hole in my, out in my yard. I only had to dig a little tiny hole. I had to lay down there twice to fix it. Get wet, mud, muddy and wet, but I like that anyway because I'm a dirt guy. So... So I got it fixed. Everything's good. Thank you, Jesus. He rebukes the devourer. Now, one other thing. This is really interesting. A lot of people complain and say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. <laughs> I am going to prove you wrong. Go to the Scripture in Luke. Look at this. This is great. So then they asked him, saying, Teacher... We know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and what? And to God, the things that are God's. There it is, right there. <laughs> I only want 10%. The government says I want 50. So, you know, you're living on 40. So, no. But God will owe no man nothing. And he gives back more than we can ever imagine. <clears throat> All right. Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. There it is right there. There are tons of scripture about prosperity. In the third epistle of John, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, there you go, all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. This goes along with what we talked about earlier, redemption. It's, it's a 100% redemption. Psalm 1, and this is the scripture, James, that you were just looking for. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He, what? Shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, 
that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall never wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. prosper. All right. God wants us to prosper because he loves us. There is one question he does ask, though. <laughs> Are you faithful in a little? Because if you're not, guess what? He won't give you more. So if you're not faithful in a little, how can he be trustworthy to trust you with a lot? So, that's my take on debt and getting out of it. I will tell you, I have been in debt. I know what it's like. But I've been set free. I have monthly bills. We're going to always have monthly bills. We're going to. And if you have to take out a mortgage, you have to take out a mortgage. That's okay. But maybe it's not what you really need. That $200,000 house may not be the $50,000 house you actually need. You know? That $4 cup of coffee from Starbucks may not be that same 52 cent cup of coffee from Circle K. It's, 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 it's about everything. Everything in perspective.